0: nfl show firstly thank you for listening to the show we truly appreciate all our listeners if you are enjoying the show please consider rating reviewing and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on it makes a huge difference it helps others to find the show and we would massively appreciate it also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, hello everyone today, and welcome into the Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin. We are just mere days away from the NFL draft and I am delighted to say that we have a draft expert on to chat all things NFL draft related today. He is one of the co-founders of The Touchdown, where he is the head of college football and of NFL draft content. He has put together more than 2,000 NFL draft scouting reports for the the website. Everything from Matthew Stafford, who went number one, to Brock Purdy, who we all know was last year's Mr. Irrelevant. Welcome to the show, Simon Carroll.
1: Thanks for having me, Colin. Appreciate it. Looking forward to talking draft.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, I suppose, hinted at it in your intro, but you have been doing this for quite a while. Do you want to tell me and and listeners a little bit about how you you found your way in into doing this i always kind of talk about on this side of the atlantic there is an origin story that people have kind of interested in your your nfl origin story
1: wow okay well um i guess it starts i was late out to to uh, american football really um go to university you stay up late for no reason and that's when I first started watching American football, Um, instantly hooked. absolutely loved it. must have been maybe 2001, 2002. So we're talking a long time ago now. Showing my age there, aren't I? And because I'm a bit of a compulsive personality, I don't do things by half. I, I get sucked in and took a few years to understand just how kind of the talent entered the NFL and began with the draft. And I remember watching my first draft I ever watched from start to finish was 2008, which was the Matt Ryan draft long, long time ago. Um, And I thought this time next year, I want to know a lot more about this than I know now. And that's how it started. So 2009 was the first time I wrote anything about any prospects. And I've got to admit, Carl, I was rough and ready. I knew nothing at the time, nothing at all, but it was fun. I started off with my own website, a small website called NFL Draft UK. Um, I did that for a good maybe eight or nine years really, I think it was in the end. until me and a few others, we decided to create a website for the UK, basically for, for this side of the Atlantic. We, there was four of us who got together and the guy who kind of came up with the idea spoke to me and I migrated over and it's the best thing I've ever done. We've got a great team at the Touchdown. We've been scouting, well, what was NFL draft for the past four years as a team? We've got really good people over here. We've had people like Ollie Holchkinson and, and Rory Daniels write for us and things like that. And it's given us a real good platform to talk more about draft and, and about college football and about the NFL too. And basically do things more with the community over here because as you'll know only a week ago we did like a a collaboration mock draft with a lot of other people from from the UK and Ireland it was uh, amazing fun so yeah uh, very privileged to be part of the community and calling me an expert was a bit of a leap but I do appreciate it so yeah that's that's basically my introduction to NFL and the draft in particular.
0: I think anyone who has been delving into the world in a draft for more than a decade deserves the, the title of expert. And, you know, as I said, this isn't just a casual thing that you kind of look at the top 10 prospects. You do proper deep dives and we will get into this year's prospects before we do. I mean, I suppose, uh, you know, you, you talked about the the Matt Ryan one being the first, do you have a, a favourite or any moments that stood out? Is there somebody who went you know, way later that that really stands out than you expected or much earlier over the years that you were like, what are they doing?
1: Well, I think if we're looking at the what are you doing moments, I think you're going to have to go back to a few years ago when Mike Mayer was the general manager of, of the, uh, well, I think it was then the Oakland Raiders, I believe, taking Cleland Ferrell fourth overall and then diving back in with, Basically taking every draft uh, draft prospect that Clemson produced in that first round and doing the same thing the second year. That was, I mean, I don't like to judge uh, general managers because at the end of the day, I think we get a little bit too tied up in you know, kind of like big big boards and orders of players. And ultimately, it's all it's the biggest thing about it is fit. It's about player fit into teams. So it's hard to to get on guys, but when they're consistently making eyebrow raising decisions, then you start to, to wonder whether or not. They think they know more than other people. You know They are suitable to be a general manager and things like that. So that was definitely the moment. In terms of my favourite draft, obviously that 2008 one with Matt Ryan and Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and players like that, that really does stick in my mind. But also the first one I covered for the touchdown in 2019, which was quite special too. I don't really know, Joey Bosa going third to the Chargers. That was a moment where I thought, wow, that was a a great draft moment there. I thought that was brilliant because the Chargers are very predictable, uh, safe. And careful drafting and when they went posted that that year that was that shocked me actually I, I was pretty shocked at that moment and in a good way being kind of like a casual chargers fancy. So I guess they're my they're my favorite moments from history.
0: Yeah there there you go two uh broncos divisional rivals there oh there. yeah yeah you, you mentioned not that um the broncos <laughs> have despite Mike may being in situ broncos not really able to take advantage of that but well, we, we are here you know right just a few days out in in terms i suppose just overall like because you have done a good bit of work what what do you make we won't know really for four years that that that's what i say is you won't really know what a draft class is like but in terms of what they have done in college and
1: potential and talent what do you make of 2023 overall i think it's a really intriguing draft class i think unless you're franchise has I don't know patient owners the the kind of you know the the luxury of some kind of time and also a willing dance partner to trade away draft capital this year for next year I think it's kind of irrelevant to have how a draft class stacks up between in different years to to some extent your your job as a team is to get better this weekend that's your job that's what's going to happen and to do that you need to take what you consider to be the best players in this class so how it stacks up to previous years not necessarily As important but it is fair to say that in terms of if you mix them all together this class they may not be considered as high in talent as as previous years I would argue that that's fair across the board but there are some positions in this class this year that are really stand out good cornerback being one of them I mean we've scouted uh, 309 players this year and I think cornerback is deep you could you could probably make a first round of, of cornerback interior offensive line position, particularly centre. I think there's a good five or six that are going to be starters in this league. I think that's really good. And I know this uh, goes against the grain of a lot of my colleagues, but I actually think the safety class is quite good too. I think um, I think if it wasn't such a devalued position in terms of first round picks, I think that could maybe be, you could find five or six starters in that position too. So the big splash positions aren't quite as, um, I don't know, spectacular as in previous years. You know, apart, Quarterback notwithstanding, we have four quarterbacks this year that everyone expects to be starters possibly week one this year so that makes it intriguing in and of itself but previous years we've had like 15 20 wide receivers that everyone were getting excited about this year it's not so heavy um there's linebacker again is, is another position that people aren't too fond of i, I love linebackers i, I must admit I, I tried playing linebacker for a year and i was rubbish at it but apart from that it does stick in my mind that there's a position of you know personal pride and, and i think the lower down the draft you go there there's talent is i guess what i'm trying to say is you you play with the hand you've been dealt. I think every 32 teams are going to enter the draft on this weekend. We're going to try actually get the best players from this group. Regardless of the stack up year on year, it's still going to make your team better. And I think that's important to uh to keep in mind.
0: And given you're you're the guest, I will allow you to decide, you know, in terms of the position group, where where should where should we
1: start? Ooh. I guess, well there's not there's no quick. We have to start a quarterback, don't we? Don't. I mean where else can we start really? It's going to dictate the draft at the top end, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it always does, I suppose, mm. and it is one where, you know, they they always garner the, the most attention, deserved or not. It's an interesting class, right, because certainly when people talk about it in comparison to maybe previous years, you don't maybe have that generational talent, right, right at this moment before they come into the league. And people are already talking about next year and Caleb Williams, right? Yeah. There doesn't, there isn't that level of excitement, or it certainly didn't feel that way. There wasn't, there were no, nobody had um, a version of a, a suck for luck sign uh, this year for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. But interested, talk to me about your thoughts and in terms of what you have delved into, what what stands out to
1: you? I think. Sorry, Cole. I had a bit of a cut out there. I think that the more people have kind of scouted this group, I think the more interested they've got in the top quarterbacks. And I think people like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, they're two starters in our league, That, based on what they've done in college. And anybody who watches college football, they have an incredible collegiate careers. And I think they're both starters without even thinking about it too harshly. I mean, Bryce Young, you've got an ultra-composed quarterback. He's got... Is absolutely clutch. I mean, there are too many examples on tapes of do or die completions, first downs, touchdowns. He's just an utter playmaker. He's able to manipulate defenses like a pro, basically. So, there's so, and and he also has a bit of the athleticism as well, which is very much desirable in the NFL at the moment. Whereas CJ Stroud, he's a bit more of a more traditional quarterback. He has the, more, you know, he has the size and the arm. He's very accurate. He's uh, very quick to process what's in front of him. And despite how you can sit, you know, him to be playing with really elite weapons around him. He's, he's been very productive too. So I think those two guys will come into the league. They will start immediately. And then you've got Anthony Richardson, don't you? Who's the big one. Who's the big question mark in this whole draft.
0: Yeah. I think Richardson is almost a separate conversation. I'm interested in your take on, because the knocks, right, on Young is obviously in relation to his size. And... People obviously point to say the likes of a a Drew Brees or a Russell Wilson, but he's smaller than them. And we are also coming off the back, you know, of Tua being very honest last year where he did that press conference and he said that, you know, he tells his wide receivers, if you can't see me, I can't see you. So the concerns are there. Can Bryce Young, what is it about his game that makes you feel he can overcome that time?
1: They are they are legitimate concerns, Carl. They really are. He's significantly undersized. He would be a true outlier in that, by that position. I don't think there's a player as small as him to play quarterback since Pat White came out over, over a decade ago. Um, the durability is the, is the biggest worry. How he can overcome it, he's overcome it throughout his career at Alabama, whereas two kind of there at Alabama. He was knocked out of games. He was knocked out of seasons. So you could potentially suggest that, you know, maybe people knew what they were into when the, when, when the Dolphins drafted there to it. Whereas Young has avoided that. He's, he does have that very clever pocket manipulation. He can step up into the pocket, do the, the subtle movements to avoid, you know, to, to avoid contact and get that ball away. And then out on the move, he's very, he's very similar as well. Um, it is something you have to embrace if you decide to draft, right? Pick, this is that one, you know. Do you go for that kind of elite kind of ceiling? which you get with Bryce Young the playmaking ability that is very rare in a quarterback it's Mahomes like playmaking ability we're talking about here uh, but without the durability you know that's the question mark really and it is a fair one there's going to be there's going to be some teams who knock him down and rightly so because but then they want somebody who is you know they want somebody who can rely on who can but they say the best attribute is being available all the time so it's a shame really i think because he's such a talent that there are going to be teams that second guess it but it only takes one team to think no we're all in, despite though, despite that question mark. I think that's what's gonna. I think he'll. It's going off the board in the first two picks for me. I think probably the first one, if we're if we're honest. Yeah, I still say it's worth. You know, it's it's hard to to sweep under the carpet. You can't do that. Everyone's right to consider it because it's not only short. He's, he's he's thin as well, isn't he? You know, he's very lightweight. That's the biggest concern.
0: Yeah, like there's certainly plenty of comments that he had rocks in his pockets at the the combine for the weigh in. In terms of C.J. Stroud, just the, the piece that's interesting to me is, I feel if this was maybe 10 years ago, there wouldn't nearly be as many knocks. But we're at a point now where the Raiders have decided to move on from Derek Carr. And we talk about one of the major strengths of QBs is the ability to play outside the structure, the ability to make different things happen. And when you take say the super bowl last year you had Patrick Mahomes who best QB in the league but like you know can do can do everything differently but also you saw Hurts in that game who's incredible as well and that's what teams seem to value now is the dual threat and CJ Stroud he, you know not to say he we're not talking statuesque here but he is not a dual threat QB you see that being a factor is that why he is slipping at least in talk wise i mean it's difficult to know it's lying season right this could be an effort and they need to fill the airwaves right networks 24 7 coverage there has to be something to talk but there has to be a controversy to to drive those but in terms of what your own thoughts on that side of things
1: yeah i think i think we get to this stage every season where we manage to talk ourselves out of prospects i think uh, cj stride was a very easy one to do so you know, outside of having elite weapons around him and having been able to get that ball out of it really quickly, I I think he does have the athleticism. I think he can play outside of structure. You know, he mean the game against uh, Georgia in the playoffs, what a performance! I think that alone has kind of proved to people that he can do it when he has to. I just think he doesn't hasn't really had to have to do that at Ohio State, and it's kind of a, a constant knock on Ohio State quarterbacks to some extent. How how when they come into the league, they've not necessarily been the same player as they were in college, and it's possibly because. Everyone's so well coached at Ohio State. They've always been so dominant in the Big in the Big Ten that sometimes they don't, you know, you don't get to see the full picture of a quarterback. And I think that's what he's battling against. Uh, But yeah, he's uncomfortable sometimes waiting for slow developing players. I guess you could say that. And you know, he he is unwilling to break contain and run. But that one game against Georgia where he showed he could do it when he needed to, maybe it's just simple fact situation. And said he's taken what's in front. You know, he's beaten what's in front of him. He's been able to do it without breaking contain. It's hard to hold that against the guy isn't it really when you when you think about it that way i think he can do it makes case for him wanting to do it but you're right the league is a different league now than it was 10 15 years ago um and you only have to see the play the quarterbacks getting to the playoffs at the end of the year that the one you know it's similar mold aren't they they're all very 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 athletic and, and able to create, play sandbox brand of football that they love to see
0: yeah that that is the thing and i suppose that brings us to Anthony Richardson and all of the the traits and all of the potential it can't like look I suppose the thing for me here right is because there, there seems to be this thing when we get like when we talk about potential and Josh Allen kind of has maybe broken people's brains right because people <laughs> have this idea that to me that Josh Allen was this hapless QB who just the Bills took a punt on and he he ended up being magical and if you go back and you actually read about it, there were certainly question marks around Josh Allen, but there were people out there who said, if you look at it, said Josh Allen could should go number one. Um, there were you can you can find people saying that Josh Allen was the most talented QB guys had ever seen. So there were all sorts of question marks, but he had unbelievable hype and support out there as well. And let's not forget that he went to the playoffs, he ended that Bills drought in his second season. So. This idea that he only broke out in the third seems a bit farcical to me, but I do think as a result, everybody thinks just bring him in and you'll be able to coach, guy, coach guys up, no problem. In terms of Richardson, do you believe, you know, he the ceiling is as high as people talk about? And if so, where, where would you, do you think maybe the best fit is, the best landing spot for him?
1: Doesn't he? I think his ceiling is off the charts. He absolutely is. It's what makes him the the, the kind of, the biggest piece in this draft and where he lands and where he goes will tell us a lot about how teams value him he's got unmatched measurables you know he's got a dual threat ability we've just been talking about big time arm there's not a spot on the field he can't reach for that football he throws the ball with rare velocity Josh Allen style velocity you know guns it into the tightest of windows and because of those things and call him a unicorn that speed and then shows albeit inconsistently because he's only had a few games at college comparatively to the other prospects that he can do the things. And once he's shown it once, you know, they can do it. It's about consistency now. And it is the biggest thing as you alluded to there is where he ends up where his landing spot. If he goes to say, say like Carolina decided they're willing to, to take early lumps and they've fallen in love with him. And, you know, he, he goes to Carolinas with Frank Reich and he's in a, in a very quarterback friendly system. Um, he given the time to, you know, to, to flourish. Perfect, absolutely fine. But we've got to remember you're talking about a guy who's only started thirteen games at college. You know, so there are moments on the tape where he's missed a simplest of throws. You know, he's, he's there's no touch on passes. But this is like you mentioned, it's a similar kind of story with Josh Allen. Maybe he wasn't didn't have quite as low a floor. He came in a little bit more polished. He had played a lot of games in Wyoming had Josh Allen. He was just inaccurate, was the biggest concern for Josh Allen, really. Um, but he took his lumps too as a, as a young quarterback. As you mentioned, he took the Bills to the playoffs. And when he got there, was it the Texans game where he had an absolute nightmare? But he had, it was a great landing spot for him going to the Bills. He had, like you say, he had all the support he needed, the Bills and the patience with him to develop his game. And now look at him, as an absolute difference maker. And if, if Richardson lands in a similar spot, that would be amazing too. I... I don't know where he's going to go. Obviously, if you look at the quarterback needy teams at the top of the board, he could end up in Carolina. I'd suggest it's probably Bryce Young based on the buzz right now. After that, it's anyone's guess. The, the Colts, you know, at four maybe. The Texans at two. And then, I mean, the wild card is Tennessee and if they decide to move up for a quarterback, I guess. Uh, he's a top five pick, I imagine, based on just the potential. And one, t- and one team who've got owners who really trust GMs and the coaching staff to develop a player will go, Go get him. We'll, you know, we'll however long the the kind of the learning curve is, however, however tough it is, we'll suck that up for future get future rewards. That's Anthony Richardson in a nutshell, essentially. And I don't really want him to go to Houston. I don't think there's much in kind of stability in Houston, but I can see him going number two to Houston. Outside of that, I mean I don't know where I want him to land outside of Carolina, to be honest, because I just think Frank Wright would be the perfect situation.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to, to see. I, I think the Colts, I, I'm a big believer in, in Shinseki. I think he mm. did a really great job with Jalen Hurts, and that might be another. I think the Texans are the, the wild card in this, right? Because all there is a lot of talk out there that they're only in on Bryce Young, and if he's not there, they might not go QB. Now, if they don't go QB that changes everything and look we, we will we will see obviously look we'll leave this is there but conscious we want to talk about a few you know some other positions just in in terms of you know because he has got some name but just before we move off in terms of Hendon hooker because a guy coming off an injury but a guy who had a lot of buzz prior to that and there's still a, a talk over the past few weeks you know about where he might go now say you look last year at, you know, sometimes QBs who are talked up early on and this process end up slipping and going in the second or third round. Do you do you think he has the talent if he was to, to go in, in the first or is this just, you know, people talking themselves in because QB, you know, people always need QBs. He's, you know, prospect who could be exciting and people always go, oh, even if you have a QB, bring somebody in and you can be a development project
1: well would be a development project for a couple of reasons but um i guess at this stage Henry hook is benefit coaches in interviews and he is a guy that you can't help but like very intelligent comes across really well he looks he sounds everything like a team you know leader a locker room a real true locker room guy and that's going to win out for him and then when you turn the tape on from the pre- previous year tennessee it's hard you know not to wonder why this guy is not considered at the top of the draft the ideal measurements ultra composed in the pockets uh, <laughs> I mean, we're looking at someone who's got this really kind of like impressive internal clock and you get the ball out when he needs to. He can move up in the pocket. But I think also you've got to consider, you know, he's coming off a torn ACL. That's going to take him some time to adapt to NFL level. He's also an older prospect. He's 25 years old already. I think he'll be 26 before, you know, a ball snap, which gives you possibly one less contract with him in the NFL too. So you're looking at an older prospect. Who you've also got to wait to start. Um, and if we're fair, you turn on the tape when he was at Virginia Tech and it's nowhere near as good. Similar to Will Levis in that respect, and the real good tape is really good in these prospects, but the bad, the bad tape isn't great at all. And and you do wonder was it situation again? Another one, you know, he, he was with Josh Heupel in um, in Tennessee, and he, and receivers and Tillman and Hyatt to throw to. So I love the guy, I really do. I I would not be surprised at all to see him sneak into the back end of the first round where a team can get that fifth year with him on on, on his rookie deal. Who's going to do that? you could only tell really where how the top of the draft goes. So if like the Texans, for instance, pass on, like we say it to, pass on a quarterback at two, would they be interested in moving back up at the from the top of the second to the bottom of the first to go and get an hooker? Who knows? Again, like just like Richardson, just like all these quarterbacks, really, I guess it's the risk reward. But for this, for this particular guy, Hendon, I think that is just a bit more exacerbated.
0: Well, if we if we started with the, the QBs, I guess we have to go with the edge rushers next because that's the the one that everyone will look to you're obviously and for anyone listening to this definitely check out size work over on the the touchdown you have Tyree Wilson as your number three in terms of edges there have been reports and this is my colleague Brian O'Leary telling me this because I I am not a betting Man, I don't—not something I keep an eye on. But he tells me there are some markets that have Tyree Wilson as the first defensive player off the the board. Talk to me why for you he's number three versus Will Anderson being number one.
1: Well, I would I would throw in a caveat there just to start off with is that my rankings on my uh, uh, draft notes tend to be a little bit based around kind of where I think they'll go rather than how good they can be or anything like that. What I would say with Tyree Wilson, he is kind of a measurables guy again. He's a huge, massive, powerful defensive end with a rocked-up frame, you know, physically imposing. He's going to be something special in the future, we would imagine. In terms of right now, for me, Will Anderson's possibly the second-best player in this draft, maybe the the first-best player in this draft, if I think I've I've got him on my big board now. I think he's moving up to number one. He's just ultra-polished. Is he a Nick Bosa? Probably not. Does it matter? No. Will Anderson's still that kind of perfect guy who can play outside linebacker, who can play defensive end, depending on scheme. I think he's perfect. I've got Wilson as three, purely because we don't know what he can be yet. I think everything's suggesting he can be brilliant. And I think, if I'm honest, I would love him to go fifth overall to the Seahawks, because I think they're a team that absolutely draft on traits and measurables, a team that have proven they can you know, coach up and get the best out of front seven defensive players. I think he'd be awesome at the five. And if that's the case, that would be phenomenal. I've got Miles Murphy slightly above Tyree Wilson because he's so polished. He's ready to go right now. Do I think if both players hit the ceiling, Murphy will be better than Wilson? Probably not. No, I don't. Um, I think, but Murphy, I don't know how much better he can be to be quite honest, but I think he's just so smooth. So he's got a polished pass rush repertoire, everything about him. I like he's not got as much love since the end of the season purely because we're going through the testing season, essentially, you know, pro days and combines he's in front of the scouts and Terry Wilson's obviously tearing up 40 yard dashes and, and bench pressing like 30, and, and, and it's looking like an absolute adonis out there, whereas Miles is just, you know, a true football player, and probably <laughs> isn't quite impressive in, in, in those kinds of arenas, but yeah, those those three guys, they're at the top, I've also got, like, Keon White as number four, and Keon White's probably not the, the fourth-best edge rusher in this draft, team, but I just love the kid, you know, he's an older, older prospect who just knows how to get to the. Interesting one. You you drafted Wilson for the Raiders, didn't you? In our uh, recent mock draft, that was quite an interesting move. I, I would love him to go a bit earlier to that to the Seahawks, but I can see a lot of teams really being in on him. And I've even as Brian alluded to. I've even heard that Wilson might go ahead of Anderson too.
0: Yeah, that that's one potentially to to keep an eye on. That number five pick being with the Seahawks as a Broncos fan is a tough pill to to swallow. Do you believe this um, edge class is as deep as
1: some have suggested? Oh, without doubt. Without doubt. I, it's hard to try. When you, when you do your own mock draft, and I've given up trying to do one this year for me, um, I should probably go down as, as low as 10, 11, 12 maybe edge rushes Who you think could be a first round pick. How are you going to squeeze all those? In? you know, I've seen people put Will McDonald in the first round. He's an edge rusher, a really productive edge rusher from our, our Iowa State. I just can't find a home for him. And then you look at a prospect like Nolan Smith from Georgia, who he is a really small, fast edge rusher, and you think, "Oh, wow, he's going to be um, a guy you can play outside linebacker in a three-four or someone you can line up as wide nine and really get after the quarterback." But then you turn the tape on, and it's actually the opposite; he's a really dominant run defender, which is which is insane. I've got him; it reminds me of Hassan Reddick, who for the Eagles, who just basically gets played all over the place and stuffs to the run. Then you've got someone like Lucas Van Ness, who's who's kind of like this, almost like chiseled out of the edge rusher kind of mold he's like he's an adonis if god made him he'd be perfect you know he's, there's everything about him but he's never even started for iowa and yet he's considered possibly a top 10 pick i've got him as my seventh best edge because i just don't know how good he can be uh there's, there's, there's a lot of them. Derek Hall from Auburn, a guy who probably hasn't, hasn't got as much buzz, but he's a real workhorse, a real guy who'll produce for you. BJ Odulari, Tuli Tui Paluto, you know, the, all these names. There's, there's too many to even mention. It's such a strong-edge class, certainly top-heavy, I would say. After that, maybe tails off a little bit. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very intriguing class. And I'm going to get boring and singing the same history, but where they land is so important and how they're used at the next level is so important because I wasn't as high, for instance, on um, Ziz Odulari when he came out of the draft a few years ago and he went to the Giants. And it's only now that Aziz is starting to really come to the fore. They play like a kind of like a hybrid scheme to the Giants, the defence. Is it Wink Martindale? I think it's the defensive coordinator there now. And they're like a guy who's like a true defensive end rusher on one side and the guy who just call a pass rusher on the other side, which obviously they drafted Cave on last year to do that job. So Aziz had to kind of get bigger. He's had to kind of sit on the line, put his hand in the dirt, and it wasn't really his style at first, but now he's coming through. That's what you have to kind of consider when you look at these different prospects. Can, can they do different things? So, you know, True defensive ends can they play in a three-four and be a bigger defensive end like JJ? What was you know? It's it's kind of, it's all about fit, scheme, alignment. It's a lot of different things for sure. I would say there's eleven of these guys that are going to be real game wreckers on Sundays.
0: And I suppose maybe if we then if we stick on the, the defensive side of the ball, but we go to the interior, mm-hmm. and Jalen Carter is the one that you know is going to to get all of the the coverage. You know his his agent his agent obviously saying he's not going to do interviews with anyone who, you know, doesn't isn't picking in the the top ten. I suppose like this is a guy who was involved in a really serious car crash. People died. I mean, that's the first thing to acknowledge. Obviously, what what happened there, but the impact then that that has on a, on a person, like how do you assess him because it's the talent obviously that then and, and what you saw on the field but then you now have this piece that, that goes with it and you you have obviously an agent who is they're always going to try to to do right i put invert commas there by their their client what do you make of him say
1: si? well I, I far be it for me to judge someone like drew rosenhouse who's been an agent for. God knows how many years in the NFL, made billions of pounds for his players and himself. But to suggest he's not taking any meetings from teams beyond the top 10, I think it's a real bad move on his part. You know, say, just for instance, Jalen Carter does start slipping and we are get into the sixth or seventh draft, picking the draft. And maybe a team from outside the top 10 think, oh, I might trade into the top 10 and I might go and get Jalen Carter. What are the odds of them doing that now that he wouldn't even go and speak to them? I don't quite understand the logic behind there, apart from reinforcing the notion that he's a top-ten pick and that's that. I don't really understand the kind of game plan in that regard. From a talent perspective, there's no arguing with Jalen Carter at all. He is ludicrously fast for for his size. He's an absolute game wrecker. He can rush the passer from the interior. He can stuff the run. There's there's nothing he can't do. Absolutely nothing he can't do. He's from that amazing Georgia defence that won two national championships in a row. He was... Year before, when all those Georgia defenders came off the board in the first round, he was still considered to be one of the best players then. And they had to, we had to wait 12 months for him to come out. The off the field stuff is concerning. It is. And I mean, obviously, like as you would mention, like not only from his participation in the whole incident, but how it affects him going forward, because obviously it meant he had to leave the combine, so he couldn't do his testing there. And then when he went back to do his testing in his pro day at Georgia, he couldn't even finish the drills. He was out of shape. So you do wonder what kind of mindset you're getting, how you're going to get the best out of him, how you're going to keep him motivated. it's a a tricky question and then you become and then it's it's that risk reward that cost benefit analysis you've got to do with every pick and as the picks go down and you start getting into the 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 raiders at seven or the the lions at six you think have we got the environment that we can put him in here make put him to work and and get the best out of him and there are teams out there who've said that they take well there's certainly noise saying that team's taking off the board i take noise with a pinch of salt this time of year but it is true that some teams will have done that because i know for a fact that in the past, I don't know if it's still true now. That Arthur Blank and the Falcons used to re- be very, very judicious with their board and take take care, prospects off them if they had serious kind of like character concerns and off the field stuff in their background. Um, but we know how fickle the NFL is, and it's that it's that balance between talent, you know, and ability. Compared to problems that they cause for you, you know, if, if we were talking about a fifth round pick, this kid wouldn't be getting drafted. But we're not. We're talking about you know an elite game changing talent here. You know, the next Jeffrey Simmons, and we saw how good he's been in his first contracts in the NFL. So where he's going to go is anybody's guess. But I mean, you're looking at three to the anywhere from three with the Cardinals, or two like that tenth pick with the with the Eagles, where he you know he could be putting the same defense as some of his Georgia teammates, and, and we'll have Philly getting back to the Super Bowl once again.
0: And um. It is interesting, the point you bring up, because yeah, there will be, there are certain franchises who we know, just if there are any sort of con- concerns around, and some some of it is awful, like around character, then they'll take a the guy off. I mean, when, when you consider that people knocked Justin Fields for his, for having epilepsy, I mean, that that's me in like here we are in the 2020s, and that mm. sort of nonsense is still going on. Equally, there's stuff that obviously is a problem, but equally, we know there are franchises that will always roll the, the dice on guys. So that, that is Jalen Carter. Other guys who kind of catch your your eye on uh, as um D, uh, DTs?
1: Oh, look well, go on. I know everyone's like quite excited about Khalid cansey who's this kind of interior pass rusher from Pitt. He's, people talked him up as, as like a and they both come from the same college and they're both smaller, undersized interior defensive linemen. But there's a big difference between Aaron Donald and Kalaj Kansi is that Aaron Donald's got normal-sized arms and Kalaj Kansi's got tiny arms. And again, much like Bryce Young and the quarterbacks, he would be a real outlier in his position if he was a success in the NFL. These arms, they are like the first percentile in terms of players. It's wild how small his arms is. But he does have that explosiveness, that burst that would really make you wonder how can defences stop this guy? So, again, it's a toss-up. Me and a couple of my writers at the Touchdown, Rebecca Rennie in particular, we love a a guy called Mazzie Smith from Michigan. We think he's fantastic. He's a real stout, wide defensive tackle, almost like your classic nose tackle, uh, just full of power. Reminds me of Vince Wilfork, Big Vinny, from his uh, good old Patriot days. I'd like him. I think he's a guy who could, He might surprise a few people. It wouldn't surprise me if he he, uh, was went early day two or even, you know, got some shocks at the bottom of the first round. I really like that guy. Mazzy Smith is one to watch out for in the interior.
0: The had the um I went to see Patriots training quite a few summers ago now. Back to I used to run a study abroad program and would visit the United States quite quite frequently and would always kind of be in the, the northeast in around kind of July, August and Seeing Vince, Vince Wilfork while the rest of the Patriots are uh, basically doing laps and even Bill Belichick and all of his uh, disciplinarian culture recognize that um, Vince, no, you can, you can sit this one out, buddy. Don't, don't worry <laughs> about it. If, if we go then for from the, the big boys on the defensive side to the big boys on the offensive side and in terms of tackles because this is one where, I guess, a player that we saw in Dublin, both of us, when Northwestern were over here playing Nebraska last August, he is, it seems to be, everyone considers him a very good player, but there seems to be, you know, differences of opinion in whether he can play tackle or guard, and that's obviously Skaransky out of Northwestern.
1: Yeah, so we were privileged to watch him. He's a real technician at the position, a, a true left tackle who who plays like a veteran. Uh, we're not going to know whether he can play tackle or, or guard till he gets the NFL. That's that simple. Uh, this is a common thing that we deal with every year when we're scouting, is that we look at players who've been very, very adept at position at college level, but obviously things are bigger and harder at the NFL, and how they, how they take that is, is going to be tough. So Mike McGlinchey had a similar kind of uh, knock on him when he came out. And he was drafted by the by the 49ers and he spent all of his career at left tackle. So he's he's managed to overcome that. That's absolutely fine. I think Skoronsky is a very good shot to do that. He's just he's just too smart. He's too quick and too smart. the can't players can't get around him. I'm really hoping that's the case. But the worst case scenario is if he doesn't pan out at offensive tackle, you play him at guard. And for all the kind of positional de- devaluing of interior lineman in the draft, you know, they're just as important next level. You need five guys up front. Center's so important. Guards are so important. So if you're a team in the top 10 and you're wondering whether or not to take Peter not I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much, particularly if you've got more than one need in that offensive line. You know, I wouldn't worry about it. He really is a technician. He's one of my favourite players in this. There's a deep classic tackle, so people are going to talk themselves out of it. You know, if you look at um, the options, Broderick Jones is kind of like the opposite to Skaronski. He's, ma- he's huge, massive, big, powerful, quick, but he's got uh, plenty of length as well, but much raw. You know he, he's he's not put it on tape what Skoronsky's done, but he might go above him because he has he has the measurables. And then there's Darnell Wright, you know there's Anton Harrison, Paris Johnson. There are a lot of options here, so that's what you worry about when you think about Skoronsky. Our team's going to talk themselves out of it, but whoever gets him is going to get a real professional, a guy who's who's savvy, who's already you know developed it, how his kick slide, how deep he gets into his pass sets. I think he's going to be a real good professional at the next level, regardless of the position you put him at.
0: I. I suppose that McGlinchey one is is interesting because he has played tackle, but when a team decides not to re-sign a uh, starting tackle, that always uh, concerns me. So the fact that the Broncos have given him a big deal <laughs> and that he is going to be on one side and Gart Bowles on the other side. Anyway, I am conscious also, I hadn't realized we're like 40 minutes in, and I'm there's quite quite a lot that I'm kind of interested in still talking to you about maybe if we just if we take I suppose the, the cornerbacks and and safeties together so what who who jumps out for for you there are there are there any sleepers in in there that you think people might maybe should keep keep an eye on?
1: Well you right to bung them together anyway Colbuance because the NFL now that, that secondary is so fluid. Players move around all the time. There's no real formations. Calling people one person a safety, one person a corner, in the world of nickel and dime defenses, is just hard. T- it's hard too hard to keep up anyway. So if you look at someone like Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, he's basically a do it all guy. I I think he could even line up outside as a cornerback. So that's fine. If you want some sleepers though, my favorite sleeper in this whole draft, it's like two uh, safeties. But again, he could play cornerback. He's Jay Ward from LSU. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this kid. You know, he's truly versatile. Every spot in the secondary you can think of, he's played up. Atom room, she's long, he's lean. I think he needs to put a bit more weight on. But apart from that, I think you know he plays so tough. He's just a physical, aggressive monster. You know, I, I love him when when the ball's there to be won. He's an animal in the air. I think he's something that he's really going. He's going to start in this league. And whether you play him as a true safety, someone who's like a nickel corner or safety, he could be a, a big nickel too. I think he's going to be a guy who can come down and match up against those new kind of lifestyle, big slot guys we have in the NFL nowadays. I think he's someone who could be really versatile. And I absolutely love a kid called Quan Martin or Jatavius Martin, as his full name is, uh, from Illinois. This He's so fluid, so athletic. I think these are two guys who might fall to day three. And I think they're, they're real value on the back end. They're two safeties I liked. In terms of cornerbacks, I'm actually really high. He's not a sleeper, but I'm really high on Deontay Banks from Maryland. Uh, this is a guy who stocks really ascending in, in the pre, pre-draft pre process. He's tested really well. He's got the size. He's got the aggression. He's got the ball skills. And you've got Christian Gonzalez at the top who is almost like a unicorn. And then you've got uh, Devin Witherspoon and Cam Smith and Joey Porter. But I think Banks is going to jump up above a few of those guys if the right team wants him. I think you can find him going at maybe the second cornerback overall. He's that good. He might not have put as much on tape as the other guys, but I just think he's got everything you need in terms of NFL measurables, speed, the way he plays. He's got He's such a nasty piece of work sometimes on the outside with his, with his physicality. And when you see receivers running down outside the numbers and trying to keep what we call the red line, where they don't allow themselves to be bodied out and pushed towards the sideline, he will just decimate that. He will squeeze that gap all day long which in turn squeeze the catch point point, makes it very difficult for them. So I'm really looking forward to see Berg. I think it's gonna be a fantastic spot for it, to watch him develop and see him become a real good like Pro Bowl starter in the NFL.
0: And like just to to round round it out, in terms of the wide receiver, as you mentioned it earlier, this isn't the class that maybe we have seen over the the past two years, certainly in terms of the the talk. But who like, who who has been catching your eye in terms of wide receivers?
1: Well, to me, the bigger question about wide receivers is the size of some of these guys. So if you're looking for someone with a bit of everything, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I imagine he's going to be the first quarterback, wide receiver off the board, sorry. He's a real Jarvis Landry kind of player, a slot guy, could do it all from the inside. Does he Is he kind of like a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson? No, he's not. And I don't think anybody is in this draft class, even Quentin Johnston, who's a true outside receiver. I don't think he has that kind of ceiling of those guys. But for me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, just like every single Ohio State wide receiver who's come into the league, is going to dominate. He's going to dominate from that. If he kind of sticks around the board, gets the late teens, and you're going to see teams like Buffalo starting to smell blood in the water, start getting a bit itchy and maybe jump up and go get him. That'd be a really cool landing spot for him. And there's one kid I like to mention in the receivers in the later round, alike, who's um who's kind of flying under the radar by a little bit. He's called Matt Landers. He's a wide receiver who started his career off at Alabama and didn't really make the grade there. Then he went to Arkansas last year and he uh, he tore it up. It was really impressive. And he's someone who's not quite getting the the buzz that I wanted to. He's an absolute flyer, outside flyers, excellent speed. You know, he's a, he's got he's got real good route running technique. You know, I love the way he comes out of his breaks and running just gets separation so easily. It reminds me of DJ Chark, a guy who I've been privileged enough to cover quite a lot. As the when he was with the Jaguars, I've spoken to him a few times. And a guy who's very, just very smooth and 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 subtly quick that you don't notice it. You do wonder, worry about about him being maybe a one year wonder, like a lot of these guys are. But um, he's someone I think is flying under the radar. In terms of wide receiver class, yeah, I won't call it awful. I just think that it's going to be a, a kind of draft where teams have their favorites and don't, you know, uh, people like Zay Flowers, one of the most exciting players to watch in college football the last two years. Yeah, He's undersized, so he's going to not do it for many people, but for some he will. And, and that, when that happens, it's all about landing spot. You know, that's just the way it is. There's a, there's, some of these guys are quick, straight-line guys. Some of them are bigger, big-body receivers. There's very few that have the whole package that like we've seen in years before.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is that you can, that transition is, you know, into mm-hmm. the league and everything that goes with it, and I keep talking about that because for so many of these guys, they have been the best, you know, player on the field a lot of the time. They've played with guys their own age. They're now going to enter a league where guys can be 10, 15 years older, guys with families, guys who are, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to pay a mortgage, and all of a sudden it's a, a very different uh, ball, ball game. I'm wondering, and and does anyone stand out to you for as somebody who you thought in your time kind of um you know co- covering the draft you had really high hopes for but for whatever reason uh it didn't end up working out for for them in the nfl oh
1: too many times to count too many times to count um been wrong a lot i think is the, is the answer to that oh we're all
0: we're all wrong we're all wrong <laughs> a lot like all, no matter who you are we're wrong a lot andy reed gets it wrong plenty i suppose just who stands out for you that you were wrong
1: on? Oh, if I had to guess, I mean, a couple. If we talk about wide receivers, obviously, I think a few people were wrong about Denzel Mims, a guy who came out in 2020, plays for the Jets now. He's not really taken off. Uh, is that landing spot? Who knows? He's kind of a trade candidate who might end up somewhere else. He might end up in Green Bay, for instance. Jets and the Packers ever get that sorted. I don't know whether or not he can do something somewhere else. Might be interesting. Last year is a good case in point. I had. A guy called Caleb Ellaby, a quarterback from Western Michigan, is possibly my fifth best quarterback in the, in the class. I really like the guy. He's now in the XFL as the third choice quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks, I think he is. So, you know, I do miss on a few. Um, there are the side cases as well, players you just never live up to. the, the talent, Justin Blackman, the wide receiver, who went to the Jaguars and just kind of wasted it away. You know, just think he had such he was talented. You know, he could have done it. It was different for him, you know. These other guys, maybe they never had the ability, and I miss I uh, miss scouted them. Because if I'm honest, you know, where we watched three game tapes of players, and you might pick three bad tapes the three best tapes they've ever done, or against the easier teams, or just you know, a good day, and you might get it totally wrong. But Justin Blackman, I think he just threw his career away, really. It was so sad to see. So, yeah, plenty, plenty of instances. I, I was, I've got it wrong the other way around as, well, as well, by the way. So, any of these players in my scouting notes, were ever uh, panned them, <laughs> they could very well prove me wrong. Who was the big Don Tari Poe? I, I was never so sure that that guy couldn't play in the NFL when he's had like a 15 year career with two Pro Bowls to his name. I was so wrong about Don Tari Poe.
0: I, um, I, for, for me, I suppose I was so excited when the Broncos uh, drafted Hop Henderson out of coastal carolina i was convinced uh that he was sleeper late lateish round running back and not uh, maybe not that late and i thought <laughs> yes he he is he's gonna bring something here oh boy i i was i was very very wrong um i mean look i think if we had you know more more time we could we could go deeper um but i you know i i've very um, glad that uh, have had you on and have the, the conversations that we have had for our listeners who want to, I suppose, swat up or read a little bit more before Thursday night and Friday and, and Saturday. Where can they find more of your stuff? Si?
1: So, I would head over to the, the touchdown.co.uk and check out our 2023 NFL draft hub. From there, you'll find all my scouting notes for the guys I've uh, scouted. You'll find, um, Perfect Pixar articles from Rory Daniels, who's done basically bespoke, unique mock drafts for each of every thirty-two teams, or him and his team of writers have done each essay. Um, you can go and see George Somerville's work about the history of the NFL draft. He writes a good like four or five articles each year about the history of the draft and some some really cool moments in history too. Um, there's big boards there. You know we'll have some mock drafts too. Yeah, plenty there to go and look at. And of course, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at NFL Draft Sci or the Touchdown NFL
0: and i will be sure to include those links in the the show notes maybe what one final question before i i let you go and and this is one that is just for for fun more, more than anything cuz you know there's there's not going to be any insight for from either of us but we we usually get a surprise or or, or two on um the the first night and sometimes that's a, a trade off, a trade, a team trading up with picks. Sometimes, obviously, last year we saw, say, the AJ Brown one is probably the the one that that jumps out. Do you think? You know, I'm interested in terms of what 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 you might think. Is is it the cards moving out of three? Do you do you could you see so, somebody coming up, or could you see a player just a random kind of um, potential surprise for Thursday night?
1: Okay, so I think that the Cardinals are desperate. Anyone to come up to three, and I think they're, uh, they're in a very good job of talking it up. In truth, the only team that really has the capital or, like, be close enough to move to three is probably the Colts below them, so they're trying to convince the Colts that the team are going to jump them, and so the Colts may, might do that one move up like we saw uh, the Bears did a few years ago for uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. I think the team you could surprise everyone is Tennessee. They've not got a lot of draft capital in particularly, and I think... For them to move up will be a big one because I think they're going to have to, if they were, they're going to go and get someone. Because this, this rate, one of the quarterbacks might fall to them anyway. So if they were going to move, it's going to be for someone they want, such as Anthony Richardson. They could nip up, I don't know where, but they could do. Um, and I think a big potential for me, one of my favorite spots is Bijan Robinson going in the top 10. I don't, I think he's uh, one of those rare running backs who has the quality to surprise, to to break draft tradition. And um, I like the Falcons. I think the Falcons are trying to replicate that Arthur Smith Tennessee offense in Atlanta. I think having Bijan in that backfield with all that money they've spent on that offensive line this year makes total sense. Would you have any? Do you have? Are you
0: somebody who, I suppose, you're thinking that's what the Falcons might do? Do you do you have any qualms about teams taking running backs in the first round?
1: Not ones like Bijan. No, he's one of. The, if you if you compare him to a wide receiver, he's placed much of a playmaker as any of the guys. All the tight ends in this draft are really good. Bijan's the talent above them all at the moment. And if we're talking about a class that maybe isn't as good as previous classes, then this is probably the year to do that kind of thing. Are you going to move up for someone? Todd Gurley was a good one. Zeke was a good one. You know, Saquon was a good one. They all had one or two contracts and have done very well in the NFL. Then you get Melvin Gordon from the Chargers who probably hasn't, you know. So I don't mind. I don't have a problem with it. If, if Bijan is the top player on the board and you falls to eight, then it's insane value. I think that Falcons will be much better with him. So no, I don't have a problem with it at all.
0: Yes, it's an interesting one because there's definitely a lot of debate and discussion around that. Probably, maybe the debate and discussion should be around second contracts and whether you, if mm. you're, if you're drafting a an RB wherever in the draft, probably even if it is top ten, recognizing you might get five years and that is potentially it because. The hit rate on a second contract whatever you mentioned a few with Zeke say law diminishing returns Saquon has flashed at times mm. um, but realistically guys in on their second contract who've really continued is certainly yeah, few and far between Simon I, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to join me I uh, hopefully for, for you, most of the hard work is done and you can obviously, you know, kind of enjoy the, the build up to what should be a fantastic few days. And maybe we can have you back on again post draft and kind of reflect on the decisions that the, the teams made. But for now, Thank I just you. want to wish you continued success.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.